On 96.7 on your FM dial, you are listening to CKLU. CKLU is a radio station. It's, it's terrestrial. You could listen as well through Radio Player to cklu.ca or just look up 96.7 on your FM dial, CKLU. The option, of course, to go to a podcast, which makes it 100% convenient to you. 24 7 365 no matter when no matter where you could listen to this program as well the program is qol or quality of life how many of us have dreamed of palm trees well especially now we can't go there uh and it is the middle of winter although i don't know when this is going to be broadcast but palm trees uh, azure waters or or deep blue that that blue that almost hurts your eyes the greens of the the fronds of various tropical plants the 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 sound of waves uh the waves lapping at the edge of the sailboat just the the motion my guest today is going to talk about well sailing and years and decades of sailing and their experiences i say there because it is a a couple but although aubrey millard is going to talk to us today uh he's going to be our guest aubrey where are you today uh, well right now we're at home in our apartment uh in elliott lake uh, enjoying a nice sunny day and uh playing around on our laptops looking at news and figuring out what's going on in the world well However, uh, our, our boat Yes, I wouldn't normally think of I wouldn't normally think of Elliott Lake as being a, a tropical paradise, but I think you've got some connections to make to this. Yeah, well, we've uh, got a lot of very good memories, and right now our boat is down in the tropics of Mexico. However, we can't get it back up here yet. You've been sailing for how long? Has it been in your blood since you were a youngin? Probably since I joined the Navy when I was in university. I've had uh, a variety of sailboats. Judy has also been uh, sailing since she was a, a teenager or earlier, so that uh, we've had sailing in our blood for a long time. Sailing in your blood. Uh, I guess, actually, the motion of sailing and, and being across this planet is very, the circulatory system of our oceans and, and the way things move, we're very connected to this planet. Do you think sailing actually made you more ecologically aware of everything? Sailing makes you a, a conservationist. Because when you're on a sailboat, you've only got so much water that you can drink, you've only got so much power in your batteries, and you've only got so much fuel to take you a certain distance. So you become very cognizant of those. So for example, uh, our batteries, we can charge the batteries up when we have our engine on, but uh, instead of using our engine to charge our batteries, we have solar panels. When we uh, use our water, our fresh water has to be very carefully conserved because we only have a certain amount of it. We have to be conservationists in that regards as well. Uh, of course. And and you become so aware. I mean, let's face it, we're insulated, most of us. We have our, a roof above our heads. We're touched to the ground, attached to the ground. And especially here in Northern Ontario, the ground sometimes actually comes up to meet foundations. There's rock in many homes that's just underneath. And I know in Elliott Lake, you, many homes have to be ventilated for uh, radon gas because the, the, the Canadian Shield is right there. When you're in your sailboat, it's you and either very collaborative, cooperative weather, or I'm going to say it, Aubrey, have you ever been like, like really scared out on the water? A few times we've had uh, a few heavy storms. Uh, Judy has been more scared than I have been. 
And uh, in fact, that's one of the reasons why we are ending our full-time liveaboard uh, type of lifestyle because she has, we've hit several storms. And in fact, I remember one when we were going down uh, the uh, Central America coast at uh, two o'clock in the morning uh, in a uh, heavy storm. You know, we're talking about force eight gales, winds 30 knots. Some of our fuel tanks that were lashed on the upper deck started to break loose. So we had to go and lash them back down in the middle of this storm. When Judy came back into the cockpit, she just shook her head and said, I don't know if I can take this uh, much more. I bet she didn't say that was her sign that she's had it. I bet she didn't say it quite as as calmly as (laughs) it was probably spoken with quite spoken with quite a bit of anxiety or or emotion. Yeah, that's true. And so that she gets very anxious in any kind of heavy weather now. It's almost like a post-traumatic stress syndrome or uh, a, Uh. a stress burnout. Well, no, I mean, the things you've probably faced and, and you've become more as you you progress through your adulthood on, on a sailboat, you probably went from, oh, this is pretty bad to that's pretty bad. That's not as bad as last time to, uh, you know, OK, I can tough this out. But then it, you're right. At some point you go, um, wow. Uh, that's that's beyond my my desire for sure. Uh, many of us think of those people who get on roller coasters for 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 thrills. You beat on some that just don't give up and you can't get off the ride. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the things that we can't get off the ride. I remember feeling very sad for Judy when we were crossing the Atlantic Ocean. We were on a long leg going from Bermuda to the Azores, and yes. that was a twenty one hundred mile passage without able to stop uh, or anything of that nature and unfortunately Judy was unwell and not quite seasick but uh, she preferred lying down 24 hours a day uh, and I was almost single-handing and she lost 14 pounds uh, in in that one leg because she just couldn't eat. Well, isn't that the thing too, Aubrey? Maybe it's not just the scale of, say, storms, but the scale of time. Um, I get on a plane in Toronto. I land in Vancouver in, you know, five hours or four hours and 35 minutes. You get on a sailboat and it could be 40 days or longer. Well, that that passage of 2,100 miles took us three weeks. We went on the assumption that if we did 100 nautical miles a day using sail only, that was what we calculated on doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, an aircraft can fly from Canada to uh, Europe in uh, five or six hours, whereas we take, you know, uh, 20 or 30 days. Your love affair of sailing has meant, and you've indicated, a number of boats have been your companions. Uh, you know, they you form kind of a bond, a, a, a very strong relationship, and you get to know the feel, the give, the take of the boat itself. It almost becomes a personality. Well, any any boat requires a fair amount of maintenance, especially when you're not able to buy yourself a brand new boat and you don't have all the money in the world to hire people to fix it up for you. So you have to be able to uh, work and on your boat and. Uh, do all the necessary repair and maintenance so that when you've worked on a boat so long it does take on a a special uh, um, warmth for you but uh, 
Okay, well, Jude, you just mentioned to me that a boat is like a, a partner. You're, you're dealing with it, and uh, you're living on it and living with it. Mm -hmm. It's actually far more intense than you'd even have with any kind of a house that you might have. Mm -hmm. Uh, perhaps even more so because your relationship, I mean, you do sand various components, you do repairs of, uh, it, it's a, it, the dependent, a house, you could say, unless it's a leaky roof, I'll get to that tomorrow. On a sailboat, there is, tomorrow is today. <laughs> yeah, there are many things that, because you've got it not only for the comfort of living, but your safety at sea in terms of where you are uh, sailing. So your physical safety is a crucial element, whereas you generally don't have to worry about that in a house unless your roof is falling down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned about having an engine on to power things up, but true purists, I mean, some of them, I mean, you do have an engine to do a few things. Sometimes just an outboard motor, I suppose, in, in some cases, uh, although I probably wouldn't recommend that on a, on a crossing. But you relied on sail quite a lot, didn't you? Well, when you're crossing, you just cannot carry enough fuel to use your engine very much. No. Otherwise, you then find yourself out of fuel and still maybe a few hundred miles to go, uh, depending only on sail. I have We have come across a few people. When I say few, I'm talking about you know two or three who are purists that do not even have an engine on their boat. And what they do, they have long sweep oars to help pull them in and out of harbors. And then they put up their sails. And if the wind's not there, they just sit uh, or they go where the wind wants to go. Becalmed. I love the word becalmed. <laughs> Maybe I don't love yeah. the word becalmed. You really wouldn't want to be becalmed, would you? In the horse latitudes. I just, uh, many of the words of, of the nautical environment it actually are utilized quite often in, in our day-to-day -day activities, aren't they? Oh, yes. I, and, of course, sailing has been uh, such a, a historical element of transportation that many of the terms have come over the hundreds of years of uh, sail, uh, sailing lifestyle and sailing requirements. I'm just thinking yeah, we do probably utilize them more than any, maybe even than farming terms now I think about it. We look at the sky because it occupies a large part of our, our world on a regular basis. We look at the, the clouds have telltale uh, or foreboding activities that that suggest what's what's coming. Did you become quite skilled at reading the sky? Yes. I'm, well, I wouldn't say quite skilled, but we have to be very cognizant of the weather conditions. Uh, in some areas of the world, they have uh, weather reports on a regular basis. In in Canada and on say the Great Lakes, we have uh, weather reports that are readily available anytime on the VHF uh, radio network. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, once you are out, you if you have what they call a shortwave radio, you can maybe access uh, weather reports. And they're coming out with GPSs and other electronics that allow weather reports to be beamed down from the satellite and things of that nature. So the forecasts are, are quite crucial uh, depending upon where you're going. For example, if you're planning to go from uh, one location to another location, you want to find out, is the wind going to be in the right direction for me to be able to make that transit? Mm -hmm. And uh, 
people are wise to wait until the weather, until the wind is in the right direction. Otherwise, it makes for a very difficult passage going against the wind and the waves and all of that. I remember so, coming across a couple in, in uh, just in Thunder Bay this fall, and uh, I landed uh, at the airport and, and I watched the waves as I was coming in and and I saw the boats out there. And when I eventually got to the harbor and my friends were getting off the boat and other people were as well, I said, how was it out there? And I loved what they said, challenging. That is the, the situation. Sail, sailboats are actually very stable platforms, but, so that, but if you are, are in heavy weather and heavy waves conditions, uh, it is uh, challenging to put it mildly and not very comfortable. But it's, it's like the person who enjoyed beating his head against the brick wall because it's so nice when it stops. Stops. <laughs> okay, you got me there. A quick station identifier here. This is 96.7 on your FM dial or QOL if you're listening to a podcast. My name is Hugh Cruzel and I talk about quality of life. Let's talk about quality of life. What has the sailing life the enjoyment, the ownership of a sailboat brought to you and Judy in terms of quality of life? It's a very healthy lifestyle. I mean, we are out in open, fresh air. We uh, are able to control our own food. Uh, we don't use a lot of junk food or go to uh, uh, restaurants or uh, fast food chains. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's the way of living. It is part and parcel of who you are. Even now that we are back into an apartment, I am looking forward to the summer to be able to get on my boat and just putter around uh, the North Channel and Lake Huron and Lake Superior. Or even just standing, spending a, an evening or two, especially by myself, on the boat, uh, just enjoying the, the beautiful stars that you can see at nighttime and the vistas uh, that are available when you're on a boat. Oops. On a boat, I'd say every, every view that you have is a million dollar view. Mm. Even if you're in a marina and you're looking at million dollar yachts, it's a million dollar view. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> looking across the water is beautiful. Now, okay, we'll go there because you started to talk about money. I understood the definition of boat was bring on another thousand. That's correct. Uh, I may have got the words not quite correct. It's not an inexpensive, and I can't use the word hobby. I can't. I think lifestyle is probably the better word to use, isn't it? It can be inexpensive, as in uh, a person who has the money to buy a used sailboat can do a lot of repair work and fixing it up of himself. Sometimes the equipment is expensive to purchase, but it's a necessary thing. So that if you have to spend uh, $1,000 for a radar, well, that's an important part of the safety of your boat, depending upon where you're sailing. So that you, though, would install a radar yourself rather than paying another several hundred dollars for somebody to install it for you. The other thing about living on a sailboat is that that can be your home. It's like a home on the water. True. Uh, that you can actually take and move different places. Uh, and living on it is far more economical. So, for example, you've got your boat paid for. You're no longer paying taxes on that boat, but you're paying taxes on your house. You have the uh, water and power that is provided for you as part of your marina expenses. You're not paying for it. Uh, over and above. So living on a boat in a marina 
is more economical than having a house anywhere on land. If you are out sailing, your anchoring <clears throat> is free of charge. We've lived down in a, an anchorage in Grenada for months on end. We just use our dinghy to go into town and get groceries or fuel, but we live on our sailboat. Mm. I can and, see, you know, I can we, see the attraction. Fun. I definitely can see the attraction. And, and also, too, even in terms of uh, wardrobe, and I mean, really, you need a pair of shorts and a couple of T-shirts and, and some <clears> deck <throat> shoes. And, uh, you know, I mean, not that anybody's wearing a tie these days or a suit, uh, but uh, we, it is a simpler lifestyle, isn't it? Oh, that's quite true, especially when you're down south. You know, we go days on end without getting out of our uh, bathing suit. Oh, that sounds so wonderful here in the middle of January. <laughs> well, I think it was minus 18 on the screen uh, on my dashboard this morning and I was thinking oh if it wouldn't be I mean is that being part of it too Aubrey is the abandonment of of Canada during the winter time is that part of the joy not really in fact we found missing Canada oh I, like well uh, missing Canada for sure often. but missing winter no for me I like the idea of being up here for a whole winter I love cross-country skiing I love curling uh, I love uh, snowshoeing. We, for many years, we would be up here in the summertime and then down south in the winter. And I got to the point that, hey, I haven't seen snow for many years because we've been south in the winter rather than up here. And I'm actually looking forward to a good, heavy winter. I love the uh, winter weather. Oh, My wife doesn't, but no. I do. Um, well, there's quite a few compromises that have to be made there on both parts, I guess. Yeah, that's quite true. And I'm, I'm fortunate that Judy has shared this with me uh, over the last number of years since we retired. So I'm quite happy to go along with her change in lifestyle. And so she enjoys more domestic things now. She's very heavily into quilting. And so that's one of her major activities while we are uh, in quarantine up here in our apartment. Mm. This uh, this uh, pandemic that we're in right now, you're still in contact with many of your friends who sail. Has it been as Hmm, restrictive uh, to to sailboat experience, sailboat lifestyle, as it has to so many other parts of our world? Yes, very much so. We've had some friends who were still down south on their boats, and uh, their, their ability to go from one country to another is very limited. In fact, they are encouraged not to be moving around. Uh, and observe all the uh, requirements for masking and uh, going into uh, stores for shopping and that. So they're allowed to go to stores for their groceries, but they are more or less confined on their boats, whether it be in a marina or whether it be someplace out at anchor. Mm. Must be um, uh, equally challenging, even though the environment would be beautiful and... Uh, and uh, but. You know, we don't know how it affects. We don't know how this is affecting anybody. We get little little glimpses into people's lifestyles, their experiences during this time. Um, you are in Elliott Lake. Uh, you know, uh, you talked about the North Channel and and Georgian Bay. That's some beautiful sailing. Oh, that's for sure. We the the three most beautiful sailing and cruising areas of the world that we have traveled in, and I'm talking about over in Europe and Central America and all that. The, the first one I would put as the North Channel of, of uh, Lake Huron, where we are. 
That is beautiful sailing areas with lots of uh, good anchorages and beautiful scenery. The second we would put as the north shore of Lake Superior. And the third we would put as the British Columbia, Alaska coastlines. Wow, all three in Canada. That's amazing. It, so when you speak to people when you're down in, ooh, I don't know, uh, any port, do they ask you, Aubrey, Judy, where are you from? And, and what's it like in Canada? Do you, do you wax on for, for ages and you can just see their, their desire to come? And do they come? Well, we, there's a, a camaraderie in the sailing fraternity, and uh, it makes no difference what country you're from. Although people will ask, hi, uh, where are you from? Where were you last anchored, and where are you going from here? And there's a lot of uh, discussion about uh, where is a good anchorage and what to look out for here and where you can get certain kind of groceries and uh, a lot of uh, good uh material is exchanged uh, by these people. Their origins of country and their jobs before they retired or started living on the boat are almost irrelevant. Hmm. People don't worry about whether you were a doctor or a mechanic or an engineer uh, unless you've got a skill that can be used in helping fix the boats. <laughs> you just said mechanics and plumbers are important. <laughs> Definitely. Aubrey, we're going to just take a brief moment here for station identifier and also to, to uh, change some batteries. Uh, stand by for just a moment. So you've been listening to uh, Aubrey Millard and, and Judy, she's there as well. Uh, this is Hugh Cruzel and the program is QOL, Quality of Life. Uh, Aubrey is, uh, well, we've, we've changed batteries. We had a station identifier and uh, Aubrey, you, you wanted to talk about the effects, the transition of, of sailboat lifestyle to now being, mm, I don't, I don't want to say confined to the land, but this is a t time of transition for you, isn't it? Yes, um, especially as I get older. You know, I'm going on 83 now, and so I've got to respect the limitations that I've got. And uh, as I say, we are immensely happy up here in Elliott Lake. Uh, we've got a lovely two-bedroom apartment in a high-rise uh, apartment building and a lovely balcony overlooking a tree-clad hill. Uh, and so we're, we're quite happy with that. And we can do our sailing on a more casual basis without the requirements of having to go someplace or do something. Mm. And we can take our time in the maintenance of the boat. Right, uh, definitely. It, it is. Uh, you're doing it not cold turkey, as it were. You are still going out. In fact, your harbor is only what forty minutes, thirty minutes away from your home. Right. Yeah, it's a half hour's drive down to uh, Sprague from Elliott Lake there, and mm. uh, so we can go down there and take our time and just enjoy the boat more leisurely rather than under the requirement. Oh, we've got to get it ready for such and such a passage, and we got to go from here to, to there. there. Mm. Yeah. Now, you uh, you lived in a very confined space. I know when you get on the deck, the world is wide, but you still can't walk there because it's it's water. But you entered an apartment, and and suddenly you you go. This is actually a two bedroom is really spacious. 
Well, yeah, we when we came up here, we had to decide, do we want... I, initially, I was thinking in terms of a house, because I like the idea of having a home and some property and puttering around. <clears throat> but as we looked at our lifestyle, uh, the apartment uh, idea where it's simply a lot key operation, no, no amount of maintenance necessary, uh, and the economy, uh, the cost of the apartments here in Elliott Lake are very, very economical. Mm-hmm. And and uh, although you know I could see you with a house definitely uh, you know uh, with a little nautical theme perhaps painted blue and white and a few seagull wooden craft you know handcrafted wooden carved seagulls on the front lawn I don't know <laughs> I might be wrong about that but when you look at houses and how we live I mean I I know there are some bigger homes in Elliott Lake but when you come to Sudbury or go to Toronto and you pass through there after living on a sailboat you really must wonder about people's sense of scale <laughs> well quite true although we we had a house in Toronto that we sold before we uh, moved on to the boat and uh, that house has tripled in price since then it would have been a good investment to have kept and there are some people who do uh, long time sailing but keep their houses homes uh, back in their hometown area uh, and either rent them out or leave them to uh, some relatives so they've got at least a place to come home to periodically other people rather than having houses will have a, a trailer and uh, they will uh, use our part-time RV and part-time sailing. Um, but uh, we've enjoyed being back up here and uh, we're happy with the decisions we've made. Mm. Do do boats appreciate in value like Toronto homes? No, that's often a mis, uh, misconception. Uh, possibly if you've got a, you know, a $200,000 boat and you've had the ability to take perfect care of it, it might appreciate in value. But no, boats lose value, not as much as cars, uh, but you know, a, boat, a person looking at a boat would say, okay, how old is the boat and uh, how has it been used? And it will have then a set price, just the same way a, an automobile would have. Even though a person may have put a brand new engine in it and have brand new sail, it doesn't increase the uh, the value of the boat. Well, it is location, location, location for uh, for properties. Uh, does it matter where you sell or buy a sailboat? Uh, yes, you need to have it in a uh, an area where there is a market. Yes. For example, right now our boat is down in Mexico on the hard. We're planning to ship it from Mexico up to Chicago, and then sail it from Chicago up here sometime whenever the borders open. Uh, whenever so our ability be. to sell it down in Mexico is a bit more limited, whereas if it were up here, selling in a, an area where there is a market, or if it were down in the Toronto area, uh, it would uh, have a bit better appeal to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, we've been talking about quality of life, quality of life, living on a sailboat, uh, and not just living, but but traveling. I mean, that, that's the other part of it, is, isn't it, Aubrey, is that you get to see the world, you get to understand things. It's your home, instead of on wheels like an RV, it's your home on the the circulation of this planet, the the wind patterns, the, the, the waves, the... What a marvelous experience. When you look back at, at 83 now, and you say, this was a good life. What do you think? Uh, 
that basic statement, we've had a good life. Uh, we've got a lot of memories, and I think having memories are more important than having things, mm. uh, especially as we get older. Indeed. And uh, when we look at what is happening in the world, we say, hey, we've been there. Oh, yeah, we've seen this. Oh, yeah, we've done that. Uh, and so most of our bucket list has been completed. I've only got one other thing left in my bucket list, and that's skydiving. Oh, Judy won't let me do it. Too dangerous. <laughs> I've done it. it Judy, you're, you're, uh, it is quite an experience. I wouldn't recommend it for everybody. They're, unlike sailing, uh, where you could run aground, running aground when you're skydiving is not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how hard you run aground. <laughs> it does. Aubrey and and pardon? Yeah, Judy said you can swim, but you can't fly. <laughs> well, with that final statement, uh, this concludes today's program on QOL. I want to thank uh, Aubrey and Judy Millard uh, in Elliott Lake for being our guests today. My name's Hugh Cruzell, and this program is available to you as a podcast as well. Just Google my name, Hugh Cruzell, K-R-U-Z-E-L, and the word podcast will find, well, this and an archive of information. Thank you so much, Aubrey. You're more than welcome. Glad to talk with you. Bye for now, folks.